Thanks again, guys, for joining us. Today, we're joined by Cam Guthrie. Uh, Cam's been the mayor of the city of Guelph uh, since 2010. He was reelected in 2014. And um, uh, sorry, he was reelected. You were reelected in 2018. So um, prior to that, you were a counselor. And then before that, if we go far enough back, you were a licensed insurance broker and an entrepreneur for 16 years. And you you used to uh, play drums, and I hope you still do. So, Cam, thank you for joining us today on <laughs> our uh, Tuesday talk. Um, I know you're a busy guy taking care of uh, Guelph, but uh, glad to have you on. Yeah, hey, thank you so much. Yeah, I, yeah that's great. I was, uh, yes, I'm still playing the drums every now and then. So, it's uh, right on. Yeah, it's good to. Sometimes you have to let you have to vent, so you you have to play the drums really <laughs> loud, right? <laughs> Just smash those That's drums, right. yeah, yeah. Um, Harris, yeah. I mean, I could, uh, and I was about to say, I can imagine when you're saying um, you got to vent the last few years, especially um, being a mayor with COVID and everything, have to be kind of a difficult one. And just to kick things off, then I guess. What in your, I guess, day-to-day work changed the most before and after after COVID? Like, what's kind of changed or how has your job description changed and what are you looking at now that you weren't looking at before? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I would think that, oh boy, a few things come to mind, I guess. The first one would be you always want to be in charge of trying to keep a community safe. But often yeah. that safety issue is defined as like crime uh, in the in the in the municipality that you're in or in the city that you're in. Um, you never think about safe under the context of a pandemic of a virus, uh, and so you're you're definitely having to really shift your brain uh, into that that sort of newly defined role of keeping a community safe. And you sometimes think, you know, from a mayor position that you you can explain things when it comes and you can be knowledgeable when it comes to infrastructure or property taxes or, you know, building new city initiatives and things like that. But when it comes to a pandemic around a virus, you have to pretty quickly admit you're not an expert in this. (laughs) And uh, relying on your medical officer of health relying on the hospital and the doctors and the scientists is you just have to go there immediately. You can't know it all at all. You can't even pretend that you know it all. And, um, and so I think the last two years has been really, uh, it's been, you know, a real difficult time for a lot of people and, uh, and, uh, Guelph's gotten through it very, very well. Uh, because I think our community really kind of gathered around that. We're going to listen to our medical officer of health, our public health guidelines. We're going to we're going to do what needs to be done. We're going to look after each other. And uh, although difficult, you know, that's why we're one of the most you know, one of the most yeah. vaccinated cities in North America. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're just doing a really good job of taking care of each other. And uh, the mayor's role is kind of the spokesperson. And um, as you know, instead of being the smoke, the spokes, I almost said the spokesperson, the spokesperson, uh, <laughs> or, uh, you know, 
we're building this building or we're fixing this road or the, the normal mm. neural stuff, he all of a sudden became the spokesperson for medical and public health issues. Um, yeah. Laying that information that you're hearing from the experts to the public realm so that they that everyone's kind of being kept in the loop and on side. So um, really, really interesting times from a communication point of view, engagement point of view. And uh, we've done we've done well. We've done well. And hmm. it, it's not because of me. It's because of the community pulling together. And I, I found like, um, in my humble opinion, like uh, for a lot of our elected representatives, when everybody's on lockdown um, and they're kind of told to stay at home, I think it's been some of the hardest times for our representatives because they're working full time and they're not only just working full time, but it's a lot of it is, I mean, if there's a something wrong with a road, you need to build out something, there's infrastructure issues, whatever it is, it's still pretty much uh, in your hands in that you can, you're working with the community to make a decision, but you're not really making any kind of decision where Corona is going and where COVID is going to spread. And, and you're kind of um, taking messages from other people and you're just kind of relaying the message and then people kind of shoot the messenger. So it's like, yeah. there's, yeah, a there's been a lot of shots fired. For yeah. the I'm surprised, in the last I'm couple surprised weeks. I even made it this far in the last two years with the shots fired. Uh, but yeah, a lot you of banging the drums on the... Uh, <laughs> you you explained that well. Um, back to that whole spokesperson role. So I think part of the last two years has also been an opportunity to engage with people almost from an educational level. Mm. And I don't mean that like I'm smarter than somebody else. What I mean is, you know, people would say, why are you closing my business down? Well, it's, mm. it's not me that's closing your business down. In fact, no mayor at all has the authority anywhere to close a business down. It's the province that's determined to close yeah. this down. Um, why are you making me wear a mask? Uh, that's the medical officer of health. That's not me. But mayors are the closest conduit to the people. Mm. So um, I'm the one, or a mayor is the one you run into in the grocery store buying milk. Uh, the one, you know, going for a walk in the park. Uh, so, you know, the provincial level of government representatives, uh, although they maybe were working from home some of the times, you know, they're, they're removed. Uh, federal government representatives, they're removed, Ottawa, Toronto area. So the mayors are just, they're the closest politician. And so you hear it, you hear it, uh, you hear the good, you really hear the bad, uh, you hear the the concerns, and you have to sort of walk people through, well, this is my jurisdiction, and this is the provincial jurisdiction, and this is the federal jurisdiction, and there's that sort of education moment uh, that have had to have those conversations a lot over the last couple of years so people understand where the decisions are coming from uh, that does not mean that i don't care or i don't have empathy about whatever the issue is but it's been an, an opportunity to kind of explain where you know decisions are coming from yeah 
No, I, and, and I think I've had tons of conversations with people as well where they're like, you know, it's so-and-so's fault. I'm like, oh, that's not, I mean, <laughs> everyone has a jurisdiction. You got to operate within that jurisdiction. You have like boundaries and nobody could just kind of go in and do whatever they want. And this, especially with the situation we've had, which has been unprecedented, like we, I've, we've never in our lives had a lockdown, forget about a lockdown for what, two years. Um, there's, it's just... It's difficult, and it's not necessarily um, one person's decision. If it was that easy, actually, it would be a little bit more scary because that's more of a dictatorship. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but like, yeah. like, it's good that we have committees and we have different people kind of specializing certain things that can then um, make those decisions because they're in a better position to see what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, I think where sometimes people got upset over the last couple of years and, you know, could even still be still upset today is as much as they maybe would understand the jurisdictional divide or the boundaries that are in place of what a mayor can do and what a mayor can't do. They were still looking for me or any mayor to be a voice for the issue. So um, part of my role was and still is, is advocacy. So you know, there was several times where there was programs from the, the provincial government, as an example, to help out businesses that were shut down and they could they could access grants or some money to help them keep afloat and where businesses, you know, were getting denied. And, um, you know, what my, my battery is about to go down. I don't know why it went so fast there. I'll quickly answer this question, then I'm going to run and I'm going to get a, <laughs> a course. Um, All right. The... Uh, the, the issue was that I, even though it was not in my jurisdiction, it was still important for me to then take that person's issue and advocate to the upper levels of government for that individual. So it wasn't, it wasn't me about like, hey, not my problem. Hey, not my department. Yeah. Uh, and then walking away. It was explaining, but then there's still sometimes a role for me to speak up and, and, and take, that, take that conversation to where it needs to be. And with that, I'm going to get my cord or we're going to... All right, man. Sorry, everyone. good. Yeah, I mean, Harris, it's one of those things where, um, you know, he's had to trade in his golden shovel and uh, uh, ribbon cutting uh, scissors and, uh, you know, deal, deal with so many different issues. I know... Him and I had chatted a little bit when it first happened. Um, I think I texted Cam and I was like, man, dude, uh, you know, what do you think about what's going on? And it was one of those things like I, you probably remember back in February of 2020 or, or March or whatever. Yeah. I, we just didn't know. It was just this ominous sort of like cloud of how, how long is this going to go on? How deadly is it? And uh, I just knew that uh, yeah, Cam definitely had his uh, work cut out for him in the next little while. Like, I, man, I wouldn't have in a million years thought it would have been, you know, two, two years on and we're just taking yeah. masks off because okay. of Monday. But yeah, it's a, I think uh, definitely his uh, second term as uh, mayor has been a lot more difficult um, than, than the first one. And we talked about this off camera where Cam is very um, active on social media, right? Yeah. Like every platform he's on there. And that's sort of a testament how out there he is to be sort of like that spokesperson and to advocate for people um, and a sounding board, too. But it's also, you know, he's got a lot of targets uh, aimed at him because he's so easily accessible. And anytime something is posted, uh, you know, you get both 
both sides of the um, the coin yeah. when when people are are um, voicing their opinions and concerns. But I think like Guelph hit ninety percent vaccination status or something 90 95 were you like walking around and just jabbing people <laughs> like personally because i mean it's <laughs> it's pretty impressive <laughs> that's it's uh 95 well good. um sorry about that uh, plug thing that's all but good. um i think in my first answer i might have said like it's about the community and about us all playing together yeah yeah and <laughs> I'm so out of shape. The last two years I made me out of shape. I can't. I can't <laughs> run to get a yeah, it's, it's the same with me. Um, <laughs> but it really was, you know, obviously the leadership of our medical officer of health, um, and and just everyone pulling together. There was no, there was no drama between those within leadership roles, mayor, council. You guys are all on the same team. You're all, all working like, towards the same. Yeah. We're all like, we're there. We're Unified. no daylight in between yeah. any of us. We're there. We're doing our thing. Right. So it really, it really, I think helped. Cause I, I mean, I, I looked at other cities where there was some friction and fractured sort of leadership around this issue. And it, 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 it spills out into the community and creates more fractures and yeah. more friction. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, overall, I, I really loved how Canada and Canadians handled the entire uh, pandemic because I feel like there was a sense of community. Everybody did kind of come together. Two-year lockdown, I mean, I don't, I don't, I haven't, it's unprecedented anywhere in the world for sure, right? People yep. were patient, right? Um, and at the end, we did have that convoy and everything, but I don't see that as a bad thing that I do feel like that just means that Canadians will work, but then we also want our, to be heard. So we have a function democracy, um, where people can participate. So it's like, and then there's just rules and everything was, there wasn't a lot of bickering from the beginning, um, as to what should be done and what, and it was, it was pretty together. And then people started kind of voicing their, their opinions and, and we got out of it. I feel like it was done it in terms of a democracy. I think it was done like really nicely. I just, I, I don't know. I felt like Canadians handled it really well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, over, overall, yeah. I would, I would agree with you on that. I think, you know, um, it's, there's no manual for this. Yeah. Like there's like, yeah. you know, you know, people need needed to give and me too needed to give grace and some empathy and some, mm. some patience. And as it wanes on and on and on, that, that can start to, to go away and, and, and can get frustrating. But, um, but you know what, overall, you know, I, we just, we had to do what we had to do to try to protect lives mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we just have to look out for each other. And as much as, you know, we're, we're speaking today on the second day where no masks are required in, in Ontario and, and uh, you know, but the, the virus is still out there and there's still a percentage that, you know, aren't vaccinated. There's still a percentage that um, are maybe vaccinated but have compromises in their own health and we have to think about them. And so we, we still got to, we're, we're out of all the restrictions, but we still have to remember it's out there. And I think yeah. we need to still continue that empathy and grace and looking out for each other as we try to manage it now moving forward because it's just it, it, it's going to be here it's going to be here and we got it we're going to have to manage it mm-hmm. yeah 
works. Yeah, I definitely. I don't think uh, it's going any anywhere anytime soon. And like you said, it's just at this point, let's let's figure out the best way to manage it. Um, let's talk. Let's shift gears a little bit, Cam, and talk a bit about um, um, the real estate market in in Guelph, because obviously, sure. you know, things have been incredibly heated. Uh, I'm out here in, in Kitchener Waterloo, which isn't too far from you. And we've seen a lot of movement, um, still bidding wars. Like my neighbor just sold his house for 300,000 over asking crazy bidding where they're holding off, uh, on offers. And, uh, you know, what, uh, what's going on in Guelph and, uh, you know, what are you guys doing to, to make housing more affordable? Yeah, so we're seeing the same type of things here, you know, really lots of bidding wars. And uh, boy, there's a lot to say about this. You know, um, you know, I started to see even before the pandemic some issues in regards to the housing market here. Uh, in fact, I did a speech probably four years ago. I think I was at the home builders uh, dinner or something, and I said, What's happening is what's called you drive till you qualify. So what was happening <laughs> is the GTA, the GTA area, they weren't able to start to afford homes and especially families. And so they start driving down the 401 and <laughs> they can't still afford, they can't afford GTA. They can't afford Mississauga. They maybe start, start to afford things in Milton. Then all of a sudden Guelph. And all of a sudden, that that million dollar or million and some odd dollar home in Toronto, you can get the same thing here for six hundred thousand uh, at the time. Right. And then we started to see that migration out of the GTA area into Guelph. And what was interesting was we started to see it too because all day two way go from a transportation perspective is coming to Guelph. So the all all day two way go train system, um, we already have four trains a day already, but it's going to be coming all day, all day back and forth from Toronto to Guelph, to Kitchener, Waterloo. And uh, and so I think a lot of people were thinking, like, you know what, I can live in Guelph and I could uh, I could work in Toronto uh, because all day two way go is coming this way. And so. People were starting to come this way anyways before the real start of the hit of, the, of COVID. And Guelph is that city that lots of people want to be at. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I'm the mayor. Everyone thinks <laughs> I have to say that. Um, it's a, it is a great city. It's a medium-sized city that has the big city amenities, uh, entertainment, the parks, the trails, uh, secondary schools, university and college, and just a great, a great work-life balance here. And so people want to be here. I would say that um, to answer your last part of the question, though, about like what are we doing uh, in regards to trying to help with the, the housing prices? Uh, well, I think a lot of it, not all of it, is supply. We just we have to start getting more supply into the market. That's not going to be the silver bullet uh, to fix the problem, but supply is is there. So back to the kind of COVID discussion about jurisdictions and different things that different yeah. levels of government. You know, it is an all three level of government issue, 100% when it comes to our housing issues. What can we do as municipalities? I think I think we need to start looking into ways that we can make sure that processes are faster. Absolutely. I, I think we, uh, we need to figure out how to better communicate to the public 
in our cities about the need for infill projects and intensification types of projects or projects that are going to be a little bit higher in stories and not all single detached homes everywhere and 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 we need to communicate that better to the to the people so they understand when that when that four-story building gets started to be built that's because we have a we we have to put people somewhere we have to Mm. we have to be able to have that type of uh development in our community uh, so uh, it's it's all it's everyone, and you know what? It's not just three levels of government. If I could just add one more thing, it's it's the private sector too. It's the development mm-hmm. community too. It's even the nonprofit sector. Like you know, like we all have to sort of work together to try to figure out how to get housing done um, faster and to help with uh, with supply, and hopefully that will start to help. Um, but there are financial levers at the you know, either the feds, maybe the province, yeah. uh, can also try to help uh, that we have no control over from a municipality as well. But um, it's, uh, we're just, lastly, I'll just say this, we're about 150-ish thousand people right now in Guelph. And by law, the province is going to make us 205,000 people by Damn. Uh, one. I remember when I went to Guelph, Cam, that was... Uh... That's when you and I first met, and uh, um, it was like fifty thousand people in that that town at the time. <laughs> That's like crazy. More than that, maybe I don't know, maybe ninety. Yeah, I I just know like the place to be was the Great Canadian Bagel. That was that was it. <laughs> yes. But uh, things have definitely changed, like coming through that town, and um, you know, and, and I know there's obviously different levels of government that all have to work together. Looks like my camera shut off. One second, here. <laughs> yeah, and we're back. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I don't think it's you know it's not fair for one level of government to point fingers at another yeah. one. Uh, it's better to just admit we all have a role to play. We got to yeah. figure it out. And I will I will give kudos to the provincial government and to the feds. They they are they're they're trying their best on this too. They've created task forces and they're listening to municipalities and listening to people to try to figure out what we need to do. Um, and so it's important to admit that we have that role to play as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, have you uh, has Guelph been participating? I know when I was uh, living in Toronto, and then out here in KW, there's the Laneway Housing Project and yeah. tiny mm-hmm. homes and so forth. What's what's going on in Guelph with that? Like. I know it's like it. Obviously, it's not. It's a drop in the bucket when it comes to supply. Um, but what uh, what are you guys doing, if anything? Yes. So actually, kudos to the provincial government again. Um, they mandated it across the province that like mm. lane homes, garden suites, tiny homes, that type of thing um, had to be sort of allowed. Uh, it, it, you know, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but you can basically have three units on one piece of property now. So you could have like. I'm in a detached home, so I could live upstairs. That's one unit. I could have a basement apartment. Hmm. That's the second unit. And then I can build a detached uh, structure in my backyard, and that could be the third unit. And so the tiny home uh, type of thing was uh, zoned and approved in Guelph almost a year and a, probably a year and a half or so hmm. ago. And um, and so the only kind of things that we had to discuss in Guelph is you know, what's the setback for that structure from the neighbors? What's the height going to be? Those types of things. Um, But the allowance of it had to be uniform across all municipalities. And so I believe, last time I heard a couple months ago, I think there's about seven or eight that are already built or underway. 
Oh, okay. Uh, in the last year and a bit. And uh, I've actually taken a tour of one of them. And uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you straight up. I'll tell all your listeners uh, straight up. I don't, I don't care. Um, <laughs> He's gone rogue, ladies and gentlemen. I, it's something I hear almost every other day now that people yeah. are thinking about building them because of the housing crisis that we're in. Mm, yeah. Um, I, my wife and I were thinking about it because... I've got a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old, and I have no idea where they're coming up with one hundred forty yeah. dollars to $50,000 as a down payment. Right. I have yeah. no idea. So instead, that $150,000 can go into building another home in your backyard. Right. And maybe it becomes rental income. Maybe it becomes helping uh, an in-law or a mother or a father mm-hmm. who needs to live there or kids. like. There, there is, I think, going to be a big demand for these types of homes in the future. Yeah, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. There's so many ways that this type of um, uh, housing can help, right? Because from a qualifying perspective, it's not getting easier. It's getting harder to qualify for a mortgage. Um, so these mortgage helpers can definitely yes. help, right? You have, you have additional... Um, rental income to help offset the carrying cost. Now, does that affect property taxes where you guys are? Like if you put a, a secondary building on, is that, and how have you guys dealt with yeah, that? Yeah, so property taxes are, it's, I, don't, I won't get into the weeds too much, but you know, it, 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 there's always the budget of the city. So whatever it costs to run the city is the budget. And then that budget is dispersed over different types of assessed properties, whether that's right. residential assessed or industrial or commercial. And so the assessment of properties is determined by the municipal Impact. property assessment uh, company. Yeah. So those have been frozen the last couple of years, but they're getting unfrozen this year. So there's some concern in the everywhere about like, oh, you know, my house is going to be reassessed at two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand dollars more than what it was last time, and then there's that additional fear that, well, does that mean that my taxes are going to go up the same because my assessed value has gone up the same? And it's about the property. And and to answer the correct question, no, it won't. It doesn't mean your property taxes are going up the same if your assessed value goes up the same because it's still the dispersed uh, budget across the city, mm. but. If you do have a tiny home on your on your property, um, that it, that obviously will increase the assessed value, which will then be determined, um, you know, at the next go around for uh, assessments and for uh, for the property taxes. Uh, but it's the same if you you know add a second floor to your home or redo your basement or whatever. I mean, it's it's all about the assessed value that comes from the province. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that that that's fair too. I didn't know it was being um, unfrozen this year, so uh, that's yeah, interesting. We'll see see what happens this year. Yeah, so yeah. there's been a lot of angst a little bit about that. Again, not again. A property tax owner shouldn't be too concerned about that because it's it's a different way of calculating things. There's no mm. direct correlation between an increased assessed value. And the equal uh, uh, amount that your taxes will go up, there that that does not exist. Okay. Wow, I Great. did not know that, and I should have. <laughs> now, hey, now you I, know. I, you know what? When I became the mayor, I didn't know it either. <laughs> <laughs> you learn you learn something uh, new every day when you're the mayor. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you still got your golden shovel there, Cam? Yeah, got got it ready. It's all polished up every time, and then I go and put that shovel in the in the dirt, ready to do a sod turning. I I uh, I'm always ready to to help help new businesses come here or expand. I love that. We and we're doing good. We consistently have had one of the lowest unemployment rates in Canada uh, for probably ten years, and uh, we're bouncing back from uh, from the COVID hit, um, one of the fastest across the country as well. So oh, wow. uh, Guelph, awesome. Guelph's really got it going on. We're we're a good community that way. What kind of what yeah, kind of incentives yeah. do businesses are you offering businesses to kind of come into Guelph? What's uh, what's the attraction? A handsome mayor. <laughs> uh, I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> and a drum solo. Yeah. Uh, so, um, just so you know, it's actually illegal in Ontario mm-hmm. to give incentives or breaks like that um, from any municipality. So often you'll hear of, you know, we will 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 give you a free factory uh, or we'll uh, get rid of your yeah. taxes for 20 years if you come here. That's allowed in the states. Yeah. It's not allowed uh, in Ontario. So whenever there's big, you know, big businesses that are maybe courting, you know, our city or any city, uh, they will uh, will often go to the province and say like, "Hey, can you help us here with something?" And maybe the provincial yeah. or the federal government can help with a direct incentive. So knowing that we have nothing to really offer from an incentive view like that compared to the states. The answer is, well, then why would people come to Guelph, right? So, you know, Guelph, we have, we're positioned really well geographically. We're exactly where you need to be for transportation corridors, both rail and by by transport on on the highways. We're only an hour and a half away or whatever from from ports. Uh, We got four or five airports within an hour uh, distance to us. And then our workforce is actually really really good we have the university of guelph from a research perspective mm. um, that also you know pumps out uh, a lot of people that can that can work really well with some new companies uh and uh and then that work-life balance i was talking about yeah. Guelph earlier like you know lots of employers want want their employees to be happy in a city happy employees happy happy company right so they they look to guelph and that's why they they come here uh, especially if it's international companies, of course, they do like our healthcare as well in Canada too. So um, that can be a, a big thing uh, as well. So we're really, really good in like agri food, agri innovation from an agricultural point of view, green, uh, green technology, uh, water technology, uh, innovative, uh, innovative uh, manufacturing. Uh, those are our sort of niches. Um, and so, we position ourselves very well and a lot of people come here for that. Yeah. Wow. Um, looks like I, I got to sell my place and head back to Guelph. I went a little too far West. Sorry, Cam. No, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I was looking at, uh, me and my partners are looking at repositioning our business or relocating. Um, cause Mississauga is kind of expensive for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. and one of the places I is Guelph for all of the reasons that we looked at it was for what we just got, we went through right now. It's just a location is on point. Like it's like, yeah. 
it's yeah. near if you got 401 there you got again housing is cheaper standard of living could be better there um than here um and especially if you want like maybe a little bit more acreage you don't need to have a lot of more square foot maybe you want a bigger lot maybe you want a few of those kind of amenities um they they matter at least to myself and i feel like to most people and kind of Guelph is the place or one of many places in that area that really kind of have that to offer. Um, whereas you can't find yep. that. I got to say, though, Kim, uh, you you, you got to do something about those lights on Highway 6. It just keeps slowing down. My, like, <laughs> I, I've always felt that way since uh, going through Highway well, 6. I guess, down to guess what? Your mayor, the, the mayor feels exactly the same way as you, but that's owned by the province. That's right, a provincial right, highway. Right. So yeah. if we're going to talk about jurisdictional stuff, uh, <laughs> I, should call, I need to call Doug Ford on, on that one. All right, let's get him in. Tap him yeah. into this call. Yeah, no. I could. Uh, I could call him right now. Actually, that would be funny. <laughs> that that would be. Just yeah. put him on the spot here. Um, Cam, thanks again for joining us, man. I I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day, um, and uh, yeah, just talking a little bit about what Guelph has to offer and how how you guys are are handling one coming out of the pandemic and then dealing with the the housing i look i mean it is a, a crisis on many levels with just getting into affordable housing so appreciate all you do man um and like i said we got to get together soon once things blow over <laughs> and <laughs> rachel and the kids over and, and harris if your company's uh, thinking about uh kicking tires in guelph uh the mayor will be glad to pick you up and take you for a tour and, and, uh, can he hold on to the golden like shovel though ribbon he... cutting, you know <laughs> Caress the shovel. That's right. We'll <laughs> use the shovel first, or the, the scissors later to cut the ribbon. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Thanks again. Awesome. Thank All you right. again, Cam. Take care. Appreciate it.